Uh, my father sat me down one day on the kitchen table. He goes, Greg, what, what, what are you going to do? Are you going to be a criminal? Are you going to go to prison? What's your plan? You know, plan. I said, yeah, actually, I have a good plan. He goes, okay, let's hear it. I said, I want to, uh, I want to, after I graduate, I want to move out to Columbus, Ohio, get to be part of Westside Barbell, break the world record, come back home and teach you how to do it. My name is Chris Cooper. Every week on this podcast, I try to ask the big questions that will give us glimpses into the future of the fitness industry. This week, my guest is Greg Panora. Greg has a 2630, that's 2,630 pounds geared powerlifting total. He's done a 2,072 raw total, a 1,060 pound geared squat, and an 804 squat without a squat suit and just knee wraps. He's a strong guy, and as you'll hear, he's been through a lot. His strength is far more than just physical. So what does Greg say about the future of the fitness industry? Well, he thinks that CrossFit might have saved his life. He thinks that CrossFit might save powerlifting, and that powerlifters should ride the coattails of CrossFit just as far as they can. Greg coaches powerlifting at CrossFit Casco Bay now, and as you're going to hear from most truly strong men, he downplays the adversity that he's overcome in his life and lifts up others. Greg Panora. Greg Panora, welcome to Two Brain Radio. Thank you very much for having me. It's my pleasure, man. So I just talked about all your numbers and stats and stuff, and I'm sure people are still kind of like reeling from those, but can you tell us your story? What brought you to powerlifting in the first place? Sure. Um, not... <laughs> Honestly, I'm not really sure. It's one of those things that, um, I don't know. I, I, get, I was 13 years old. I was playing football. And I, I, was, I was a year younger than everybody else in my, in my school. I went to school, to high school a year early. And I was a lot smaller than, you know, most of the kids. I was trying to play football. And I was sort of getting killed. And so one of my last practices my freshman year, one of the other players pushed me on the ground and spit on me. He called me some not-so-nice words. So I went home that day and I said, Dad, can you help me write a program, a workout program? We said, sure. So he wrote, me and him sat down, we wrote this really, really simple program. And I followed it for a few years. So I showed back up at school my sophomore year, weighing like 220 pounds, like a bench press quarter pound. You know, I was fast and athletic too, and I jump and, you know, do a lot of stuff really well too. So I sort of didn't realize how strong I was. Though. I mean, most people, you know, hit that bench for three, quarter pounds. And sort of as I got a little bit more into the sport and went around to a few gyms and stuff, I started to realize that maybe I have something, so I followed it, and I started. Uh, I started competing at 19 years old. So in well, that 1999, I started competing, and uh, it was pretty good right off. I had a great first contest, and uh, I think I competed like 16 more times that year, and I uh, did really well, and just kind of kept going and going, and it really became my life and my my getaway, and and you know everything. It's, it's been that way for I don't know how many years since. So you know, 20 something years. So just. Uh, you know, training, competing, and, and loving every minute of it. So like a lot of us, uh, you know, you, you eventually found out that you liked training for powerlifting better than any other sport, right? Like, Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 when I touched the weight, like the first time, I, I can remember the feeling I never got from anything before. When I touched the weight, I kind of understood it. I sort of understood where my body had to be and what I had to do. And it wasn't, again, I was not inherently big hit, but it just, it just made sense to me. Where does that come from, Greg? Is that like, uh, you know, you went to high school a year early. Are you yep. super smart? Is that what it is? No, no definitely not 
good stuff in us. I, I don't know what it was. I, I, just, I, I for some reason, just took right to it. And I like the idea that if I do this much work, then this will happen. If I eat this much food, this will happen. And it's sort of a very simple process that kind of made sense to me. Okay. You no, said... but definitely wasn't intelligent. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't much of a student. You said your dad wrote your first uh, workout program. Was he a powerlifter, too? No, he was just kind of a guy that worked out. Um, my earliest memories are him actually working out in my basement as a kid. Uh, my mother worked days, and he worked, he worked nights. And so during the daytime, I would watch him work out. Um, and, and so he said been doing it for a long time, had some friends in bodybuilding, and, uh, you know, he wrote out a program, you know, pretty well. Okay, man. So eventually, after some success, you decide, i got to get a 9-to-5 job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, well, basically what happened, uh, do you know about the stroke? Yeah, let's get into that, too. Okay, cool, yeah. So, I mean, I went to college, me and everybody else, we graduated, and really, you know, honestly, like, you know, school and 9-to-5s and stuff, it's just, it wasn't my thing, you know, I, I didn't like it, I, I I don't like having to show up in a polo shirt and slacks and, I don't know, it's just, it wasn't my thing. I tried, I mean, so I had, I would have a new job like every two months, you know, in my 20s. Wow. And uh, I just couldn't, I just, I just couldn't, I don't know, I, I could never get into it. Cause all I wanted to do was be in the gym. And so eventually getting a personal training and stuff, which made sense, uh, you know, for a job. But it still, it wasn't, wasn't the same. It was all, you know, pretty much everyone just wanted to lose weight. And it was like, that's not... You know, that's great and all, and I understand it, but it's like, this is not what I want to do. So, um, but, you know, I, I traveled around, eventually went to Ohio, and uh, got a pretty good job there for a while, and I uh, was training off and on, so, I mean, you know, I, I would try to just do the gym as much as I could. Okay, well, I think that's probably the understatement of the millennium. So, <laughs> right, right. so Louis Simmons says to you, when you want to be the best in the world, give me a call. Right, so... Basically, what happened was I had uh, my father. So it was kind of a funny story. When I was fifteen, you know, like I said, I wasn't much of a student. I was getting in a lot of trouble. I was getting fights and stuff at school. Uh, I was kind of an a hole. So uh, my father sat me down one day at the kitchen table. He goes, "Greg, what, what, what are you going to do? Are you going to be a criminal? Are you going to prison? What's your plan? You know, plan?" I said, "Yeah, actually, I have a good plan." He goes, "Okay, let's hear it." I said, "I want to. Uh, I want to after I graduate. I want to move out to Columbus, Ohio. Get be part of West Side Barbell." break the world record, come back home, teach you how to do it. He looked at me, he goes, who the hell wants to learn how to do that? <laughs> and really, at the time, he's probably right. So he said, listen, he said, if you graduate from college, I'll help you get over there. So I, uh, I spent, uh, I spent um, however many years, six, seven, eight years in college, I don't know. But eventually, I finally graduated. And so I called up Louie, and I said, Louie, I want to come visit. He said, okay, cool. So he set everything up for me. He paid for the hotel and the plane and all that. So my dad didn't want to do anything. It was kind of cool. Man. Wow. So I went out there and I trained there for like four days. And on the way home, on the way, on the way back to our, our hotel, he said, what can you move out here? And I said, well, man, I got so much going on. I had a girlfriend I really liked and a good job. And, and life was starting to pan out a little bit. And he's like, he said, you know, if I see you in the contest, I'll shake your hand. He goes, you know, uh, no, no, no shame in not coming. He goes, but if you really do want to be the best in the world, come. So four days later, I was in my car driving out there. With $400 in your pocket. $400 in my pocket, yeah, which I spent most of on the way down there. Yeah, so what did you do when you got there? Like, how did you live? <laughs> Not well, man. Um, yeah, I was pretty starving for most of it. I was, uh, 
so the beginning, I was living in my car, so basically I would train in the morning, and then I would, I would leave, you know, what, 10 a.m., and not have anything to do, so I'd come back at night and train again. So there's a lot of hours between 10 a.m. and 6 p.m., so basically I would, I would, you know, if I had gas, I would drive around a little bit. Um, I would shower maybe once a week. There's a little truck stop, and I think they charge three bucks for a shower. So if I could get a little change, I would go shower or something like that. But basically, most of my day was laying in my car, looking at the, you know, looking at the ceiling. Uh, it was a pretty rough time. Was eating a lot. I lost maybe fifteen or twenty pounds, and uh, and uh, eventually from there, I started winning. I started working out. Well, bridge that gap for me, Greg. Like you're not eating, you're yeah. sleeping in a car. How do you win <laughs> APF nationals? It was uh, it was really complete misery. To us. What I was doing is kind of bad. So I hope the uh, hope the statute of limitations is over on this one, but. <laughs> we go to the all night grocery store and uh, eat cereal bars at night because I was so hungry. So there, there was a lot of days there I, I just couldn't eat, you know. There'd be, there'd be days where you get a meal or two or days where I didn't eat. So eventually down, uh, down the road, uh, Louie was like, how do you come here and lose weight? What the hell is going on? And so I kind of explained to him my situation. And he was like, you come over to my house for dinner tonight. And so at that point, he kind of took care of me and fed me and you know, made sure it was being fed. It wasn't like I wasn't looking for a job. I was, I was looking for a job. But in a city like Columbus, you have, I don't know, what, 30,000 graduates every year. So you have a lot of college kids coming out. It's tough to find a job there. So eventually I found one. I met a girl. We had a condo. Then we bought a house and all that. So it eventually did work out. But it was, it was tough. I remember you know, I remember laying in my car being like, man, I can't do this anymore. And my dad would call. My mother would call. I'd be yeah, I think it's great. My roommate's awesome. My city, I would hit my, my ceiling in my car, you know? So the roof of the car is miserable. <laughs> so I drive around a lot. Um, it's really pretty lonely, if anything, because no one talks to me. When you go to the west side, it's not like you walk in and everybody loves you. You know, nobody would even talk to me. So it was like, <laughs> no friends, like nothing. It was, it, was, it was tough. How do you keep going in that environment? I mean, I, I didn't give myself a choice, you know? It's not like I said, well, if I leave, this will happen. I, I just I didn't give myself a plan B. I was like, you're going to do this. It's going to work out. You're going to do this. And so I, I would just tell myself that before I went to bed every night, you know? And that, this has kind of been a recurring theme in your life then, Greg, right? There's no choice but yeah. to succeed. Yeah. Yeah, it has been. So, yeah, I mean, I'm the kind of guy who, uh, I don't know, I, I guess throughout my life, up until pretty recently, um, you know, I, I would make some bad choices. I would... You know, I sort of, I sort of would jump into anything I thought was good. If something, if something jumped in my life that I thought was any better, I would just jump to it without even thinking. So I did that a lot. I lost a lot of jobs, did a lot of stupid things. But eventually, down the road, I assume you mean the stroke. What happened in the yeah. of that? Yeah. So, do you want me to go through the whole yeah. the stroke story? Please do. Yeah, sure. So, at, at 30 years old, I had pretty much reached the, uh, you know, the pinnacle of power thing. I had broken the world record a bunch of times. And uh, I was sort of just trying to decide what I was going to do next. I was, I was honestly kind of disillusioned with the whole sport at that point. I mean, I, I just was like, I broke a little record at what, five times. I mean, what do you do from here? You know, what, what's the next step here? I'm not making any money. Yeah. Um, you know, I keep winning and winning and winning, but what, what am I getting from this? You know, a couple grand here and there, but, you know, not enough to survive one. And so I, uh, I kind of had a pretty good job at that point. Um, I was working with kids and and. and, and you know, kids in the city and, and this and that. And so I went to work all day Saturday and I came home and I was really, really nauseous all day. I had a really bad stomach bug. And so I went to bed really early that night, 8 or 9 o'clock, you know, 7 or 8 o'clock, I would guess. And, uh, 
And uh, I woke up at like midnight and half my body had shut off. It's the weirdest feeling in the world. Like my arm didn't work, I couldn't talk, I couldn't see, I couldn't walk. And so I assumed it was something with nerve damage because I squatted really heavy. So I assumed some sort of nerve shut off or something, which is really stupid looking back on it. But uh, I, went, I went back to bed and uh, woke up again at like 6 a.m. And I called my mom and I was like, and my mother was like, are you drunk? I'm like, no, I'm not drunk. Um, something's wrong. And she was like, uh, she was like, I think he had a stroke. And I was like, Mom, I'm 30 years old, I'm a pro athlete, I think I'm a stroke. And she was like, yes, you did. You need to call the uh, ambulance or whatever it's called. And I was like, no, I need to work. And so she actually, I took a shower, and I was in the shower, and I came up, and uh, the EMTs were all waiting in my living room. And they were like, whoa, big guy, you had too much to drink last night? And I was like, and I kept trying to say, no, I'm okay. And they couldn't understand me, so I wrote down on a piece of paper, I need help. And they helped me get ready and stuff, took me to the, uh, took, took me to the hospital. They checked my vitals, and they're like, you're going to die, lay down. And my, my blood pressure, for whatever reason, had spiked up to some ungodly amount. And, uh, and so I had a massive stroke. And so at that point, my career power thing was over, I thought. I mean, I couldn't hold the barbell anymore. I really just things like walking and talking were hard enough. So I retired, I moved down to Florida, and, uh, and I started working at a gym. And I went to the gym one day, and uh, so for the months before that, my hand wouldn't work. I couldn't, hold, I couldn't grab a bar. I mean, I was still train as best I could. I was still bench pressing 500 pounds. But I couldn't, uh, I couldn't deadlift. I couldn't get my hand around the bar. And so I said, okay, well, I'm done. And one day I was in the gym, and I was deadlifting, I deadlifting 675. And I was like, holy shit, you know, this, I'm back. So I went to my boss's office, and I said, hey, man, I'm going to quit. He's like, what? He said, I'm going to quit. He said, you just got a uh, huge promotion. And I was like, yeah, I know, man, but I'm done. I need to go back to Maine. He's like, what the hell are you talking about? And, uh, and I quit, and I had to go out to my car, and then I realized I had to go back in and get my paycheck. So I went back in and get my check. And then I bounced, I moved up to Maine. And uh, my idea was, <laughs> and again, it's a lot of stupid ideas. I'm the kind of guy who's like always dreaming, you know, always with dumb ideas. I figured if I go back to Maine and start over from scratch and go back in the power And it actually kind of worked out. Actually, it definitely worked out. So what were your first uh, steps back into powerlifting once you got back to Maine, Greg? <laughs> so pretty much when I got to back to Maine, it was kind of the same story as when I moved to Ohio. Except when I moved to Ohio at 25, I had all the dreams in the world. And honestly, like, as bad as living in my car was at 25, but I could do it. I was okay with it. I could do it. I knew I had to. I could do it. And then, you know, now in my early 30s, I'm, I'm back living in, uh, in Maine. And the same thing, I couldn't find a job, couldn't find a place to live. So I was really bouncing around couch to couch, leaving my car when I had to. And at this point, I'm like, man, I am done. I am, I'm done. I can't, I can't do this anymore. I remember I was laying in my car at a rest stop. And um, my tooth had abscessed, like, it was, my jaw was, like, three times the size it was the day before. There was just so much pain in my car, I was like, man, something's going to give, you know, something's going to happen here. And uh, so I moved down to this town with me now, and that's uh, sort of when I found CrossFit, and the whole thing started, so. So what, what was your first introduction to CrossFit, then? Yeah, so I I moved down here, and I got a job uh, uh, right off as, as, a, as a telemarketer. Now, I didn't know what the word telemarketer meant. <laughs> and, uh, you know, obviously, it's, it's, everyone else in the world seems to know what it means. But it was, you know, like, it's phone, it's selling things through phone calls, which is my two least favorite things combined into one. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I did for, like, two weeks, and I walked in. And I, I was good friends. I went to college with the guy who owned the company. So I walked in his office, and I said, hey, man, um, 
you know, I love you, respect what you do, always be a good friend of mine. But I hate this job. <laughs> because, because, and one of the coolest parts about this guy is when I said that to him, he didn't say get the hell out of my office, you know, whatever. He said, what do you want to do? What did you move down here? What does he want to do? And I said, I want to work in the gym. It's the only place I can concentrate. It's the only place where, you know, I, I feel normal, you know. And he said, okay. He said, cool, I can help you. So he wrote me down my numbers of two people that own gyms that he knew. <laughs> so I went to the first one. And I was there for a month. And it was, it was, you know, it's closed down since. And there weren't people coming in. It, was, it wasn't a great space. It was just not a good place to have a gym. And so, the second one was CrossFit, so I waited a few days. I knew a little bit of what CrossFit was, and I respected it, but I had no idea, like, I had no idea where I would fit into that, because I didn't do CrossFit. So I eventually called him up, and it was a buddy of mine from college that owned it, a guy I knew in college, and he said, let's meet for coffee. And so we met for coffee, and I remember I was so broke that I didn't know if I could buy a cup of coffee, and I had just enough. And so he sat down, he said, what do you want to do? And I said, I, 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 don't, really, I don't really know. He goes, okay. He goes, let's do a coffee class. So I said, cool, yeah, why not? He goes, it's probably not going to work, but he goes, I didn't have to lose. You really don't either. So I said, okay, cool. So that's four years later, I'm still there. Wow. So, and so, yeah, yeah, and it's, uh, it's going amazingly well. Yeah, man, I, I'm sure it is. I know, you know, my gym was started to give my my powerlifting buddies a place to train, and um, as soon as I found CrossFit, I started seeing women uh, deadlifting yeah. 300 pounds all over the place. Right, and that's so, what it was. I walked in and I was like, I actually did a, I did a, uh, I did a class. <laughs> so he had me come in and he goes, all right, I want you to take a class. So I did, and yeah, I did the best I could. You know, it's not really, yeah. not really something I'm conditioned to do, but I tried and it was pretty good. And so I said to him after, I was like, listen, man, I love this. Don't want to do it. <laughs> he, was like, he was like, okay, that's cool. And uh, so we set up my class and it was actually pretty good right off. It sort of just kind of worked out. From there on in, I took one-to-one clients, the group classes, the group sessions, this and that. And uh, I have over 50 clients right now. I think I have 54 or 55 clients right now, which is pretty amazing. So how does that work? Like, how do they set that program up in their box, Greg? Is it a separate <laughs> membership? or? So, so the two owners right now, Sam and Nick, are two of my best friends in the world. They just sort of let me do what I want. We set up a 415 and a 645 class, and uh, they just kind of, Kind of let me do whatever I want. I do all the programming, and uh, and you know they take it once in a while. Uh, Nick does the class um, a lot. Uh, you know Sam does it once in a while, and uh, you know I just kind of program the way I program, which is something I've become really good at in the last few years. I'm sure, man. There's a lot of CrossFit gym owners listening to this who yeah. who hear what you're doing and they're like, I want to do that. So right. What? How do they charge the client for that? You know, how does it work so what, as far as membership? What we do is it's pretty cool for me. Is we do a uh, um, what we do is a hundred bucks. If you're not part of the gym, if you're not part of CrossFit, it's a hundred bucks. Um, if okay. you're part of CrossFit, thirty. You know, it's pretty simple. You show up when you want to. That's great. And you have fifty-four so, clients now doing that. Yep, I, I have. I have like so. In, I, I do the classes at pretty che- a pretty cheap rate for them. Yeah. So what they do in return, I train people out of there for free. So it's, I'm really making out. And so they can use my name whenever they want to for anything, and uh, and I train people out of there for free. And there's no other gym in the country that would do that. So <laughs> hopefully they don't hear that. But yeah, it's uh, it's just a pretty <laughs> awesome setup. Well, yeah. Uh, so I'm sure everybody's happy, Greg. Now let's talk about you are a real power lifter inside a yep. CrossFit gym. What it's do a you? Real deal. S- how has 
your powerlifting influenced that CrossFit gym? Well, I can tell you we have some of the strongest people in the state. Um, and another cool part about it is, like, CrossFit, it's, 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 very, it's very difficult to, to like, you know, take a minute and have a conversation between movements because you're constantly moving. Right. You know, and powerlifting is not quite like that. So it's a little more social, I think, at times than the actual CrossFit classes are. Um, you know, because you're not throwing up in a trash can as much. Right. But it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's done a lot of that. Um, you know, our CrossFit, we have some of the, uh, the best athletes in the state at our CrossFit. Um, you know, I, I like to think I have a lot to do with that. Because generally what I see uh, in CrossFit, I see a lot of people coming. They have a really good cardio base. They're runners, they're cyclists, uh, they canoe, they kayak. But they don't have a great strength base. So... Um, what it does well is, is when we first started doing it, we pushed it towards all the big, strong guys, girls, and they would come in and do it. But I said, like, about six months in, I was like, what if we push it more towards the guys that I never looked away before? And yeah. so we started doing that. We're seeing a lot more, a lot less injuries and a lot more people sticking around. You know, we're supposed to spread our attention across 10 general physical skills, right? So why the extra focus on strength? Yeah, absolutely. I think... Um, you know, I think it's it's a skill that is very important for crossfitters. Again, a lot of crossfitters don't come in with that big strength level, right? Um, and so, and so they never build that up. And movements like, you know, even like wall balls, handstand push ups, push ups, pull ups, are all very, very difficult. Where they spend a few months just getting stronger, building that big strength level, it makes things a lot easier and quicker for everybody. What are some things that you do as a powerlifter that you don't see in a lot of CrossFit gyms? Yeah, so, I mean, you know, obviously we, we, we do, uh, we concentrate on bench press, squat, and deadlift. Um, something that I do a little bit differently than, I, I sort of I sort of gauge the powerlifting workouts towards CrossFitters. I'm not gauging them toward, because, you know, I would say 85% of my clientele are competitive powerlifters. Well, probably 80% are not competitive powerlifters. They're people wanting to get better at CrossFit. So something I do a little bit differently than probably anybody else, I finish each workout with what I call a gut buster. It's something that's going to be brutal. So a good one I use is we'll do 10 squats, 10 air squats. So you'll go right back and forth, 10 squats, 10 air squats. We'll do that 5 sets of 10 each or 5 sets of 20, whatever we do that day. And so I do a lot of stuff like that to build up that, that mental capacity to get ready to do CrossFit. Because, I mean, CrossFit is brutal, let's be honest. It is brutal, hard workouts. And so that sort of mental, that sort of mental toughness isn't, isn't born in anybody. You have to learn how to do that. And so, you know, I, I can teach that through movement, through these, through these gut buster workouts. And it seems to spread really well across it, too. Okay. Now let's let's flip it. Um, the head of USA Weightlifting a few years ago uh, said, or credited CrossFit with uh, doubling the USAW's oh, registration numbers. Do you see something like that in, in powerlifting? I, I would absolutely say that. So when I first started powerlifting in the 90s, like, you would, you would go to a contest, and there would be a couple of giant guys there. So generally, the lifters were either really good or really bad. There was no in-between. So you have, like, you know, say 10 gigantic men, maybe one woman who kind of resembled the gigantic men, and, uh, you know, two guys who were never going to do the sport again. It was their first and only contest, and never going to do it again. And so you know, you have 13, 14 people out of the contest, 10 of which were ex-cons, and, uh, and so, now you go to a contest, we do, I went to one, what, a couple months ago, and, you know, there's, there's a hundred people there, families, and women, and, and, you know, beautiful men and women, it's just crazy, it's, you know, a lot of which are CrossFitters, or have come from a CrossFit, 
And so the sports, too, when I started, was all geared. Everyone was a multiplied gear lifter. You know what that means? Absolutely, man. So everyone, everyone when I started, was a, I mean, Raw wasn't really a thing. Raw was something that college kids did. Right. So they could get to make the money to make buy equipment. And so I competed Raw when I first started, but nobody took you seriously. And so, you know, now the sport is, is, is almost all Raw. I mean, it's just crazy. And definitely Cross is responsible for that. So the sport's gone pretty much completely Raw. He's gone back to its roots, you know, it's just, so I, we go, I go around the country right now, I'm part of a tour called the Reclaiming Real Strength Tour, and so me and my friend Brandon Lilly and Sweet Burns travel around the country and we talk, so, you know, 10, 15 years ago, a powerlifting gym would be this insane, like, you know, $300,000 investment with all the specialty equipment, monoliths, and special racks, and special machines, and this and that, now you go to a gym, it's, it's power racks, just like across it, it was just like across every powerlifting gym you go to, which just like across it. So it's definitely that. I mean, you know, machines have really, you know, been done away with. Yeah, uh, which I love. But, you know, if, yeah, you, do. if you go back 30 years, I mean, these guys are using like Inzer single ply suits that really. Right, right. <laughs> it's not even, it doesn't even compare, right? No, not even close. Not even close. <laughs> and so, I've worn it all. So there's now, I mean, when I, my last year on policy, my shirt. Was, was being like Kevlar, you know, and Kevlar in it and 10 different materials, a special cross-stitch seams and this and that. I mean, the, the equipment just has it just gotten so crazy. And, uh, you know, and CrossFit kind of, you know, it, it really pushes the idea of being strong, you know, being strong with your own body and that sort of thing. And so policy really took to it. And the, to the sport, I mean, the sport probably tripled and became all raw. And so... When I decided to make my comeback, I said, okay, I have to do it raw. I mean, it's the only way to do it now. You know, multiply lifting is still a thing, but, you know, really I have nowhere else to go. Plus, the whole world has gone raw, so that's what I did. I went back into raw and did pretty well. Yeah, and so a lot of your blog posts, you're talking about relearning how to squat. Yeah, um, yes, yes. So oh, you really did go back. Yes, yes, I did. I do. So the mechanics of a, of a raw squat and a gear squat are completely different. A raw squat, you're, you're squatting with your quads, essentially. You're squatting, you know, feeding close with your quads. A multiply squat, your quads don't even work. You're not even using your quads, they're not even firing. You basically take as wide a safety as you can and push your butt back into the suit, down at the bottom, re-arch your back, come back up. Where if you try that with raw squatting, you're going to die. So you have to, I had to relearn how to squat my legs. And so when I first came back to it, I was awful. I could barely squat 405, where I'd been an 1,100-pound gear squatter, now I can't squat 405 raw, so I had to relearn it. And I actually learned a lot from CrossFit, watching guys at CrossFit squat. You know, I, I still learned a lot from watching other people there with weights, you know? So. What would you say your biggest influence on your CrossFitters has been? <laughs> uh, tank tops. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know, just the idea is as strong as strong is, is awesome, you know? Um, just... just you know, you, you can be you can be strong, big, strong, and athletic too. You know, and that's a big one I try to push too. Just because you're a big guy doesn't mean you can't run and jump and climb the rope. So I try to show off a little bit in there if I can. Because I'm a pretty athlete, so I can still jump and stuff. But um, yeah, no, just I think I think the idea I, I really just try to push that strength is important. Strength will keep you uninjured. Strength, strength will make you better at these movements. You know, I think so that's probably been the biggest. I, I think our mutual friend Josh would say um, that one of his favorite things about you is that, well, of course, your work ethic 
but also that you're one of the friendliest guys out there. <laughs> and and I told him that this is actually pretty common to higher level powerlifters. Oh, absolutely. It's for all my guys, you know what I mean? Why is that? Is it just that you have nothing left to prove? Is that it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I think we're all pretty happy. We all worked hard. You know, we made it to the top. I mean, what's he mad about? You know, there's nothing he's mad about. So, yeah, I, I think we're all pretty much like that. I think we're all pretty good guys. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Okay, so now, uh, other than fixing your squat, Greg, like, what influence has working in a CrossFit gym had on you? Well, I'll tell you what, too. I mean, apart from all the physical stuff and the, you know, the training without machines and this and that, like, you know, just the community is absolutely amazing. I, my, I met my girlfriend there. Uh, my best friends are all there. I mean, it's just, it's, you know, more, every gym I would go into, I'd walk in to work or whatever, and on day one, I mean, everyone's stereotyping as the guy who does this, or the big, the big jerk, or this, that, and I walked in there, and nobody did that, everyone came up and shook my hand, you know, it was, and so, I mean, that's the biggest part for me as a community, I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, I think a lot of us would say the same thing, and, um, yeah. you know, I had that when I was just doing uh, powerlifting in somebody's garage, I had that, but it was two or three guys. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and now I can do that with 200 people. Right, exactly. Exactly. I mean, the parties and the, I mean, we hang out a lot on the weekends and stuff. It's just, it's, I've never had a job like that where everyone cares about everyone that much. It's pretty awesome. So is this all you're doing now, Greg? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, but uh, I train full-time. Um, and then again, we're traveling in the country right now, so we talk to a lot of gyms. So if any CrossFit want to hear from us, uh, hit us up. We'd love to have you out. Tell us more about that. Sure, yeah. So me and my friend, uh, friends, uh, Brandon, Lily, and Sweet Burns, we put together this tour called the Reclaiming Real Strength Tour. And sort of it comes out, like, you know, basically we all started the sport 20 or so years ago. And sports changed a lot. And again, with, with CrossFit's help, it has become trendy. And so now strength is trendy, which, which is amazing and bizarre to watch. But <laughs> it actually happened, because most of my life I was sort of, uh, you know, people... <laughs> People almost get angry because I was strong or big. Yeah, people make whatever assumption they want based on the way you look, and, and most people apparently didn't like the way I look. So anyway, now it's trendy to be strong. And so with that comes a lot of good stuff and a lot of bad stuff. So, I mean, there's 10 million YouTube channels on how to do this and that and this and that, and a lot of it is complete BS. So we decided to throw this tour together and show people how it's really done. You know, and, and we've, all, we've all trained every type of way. Uh, those guys are... are Huge big time coaches. Well, I'm, a little, I'm, I'm still more of an athlete than a coach. I mean, I'm on a big scale. But they're uh, the two of the country's best coaches and uh, absolutely amazing to work with. And so we travel around. Uh, we're going to Virginia next week. Uh, the week after that, we're going to New York. Uh, then my girlfriend and I are going to Ohio. And then we're going to North Carolina and South Carolina. Wow. So we do travel a lot. Can you imagine a better life, Greg? No, it's amazing. It's exhausting, but it's amazing. I mean, you know, it took a lot of time to get here, a lot of work, and but it's, it's been absolutely amazing. It's all, I mean, honestly, all of this is from CrossFit. Had CrossFit not been there, I wouldn't be here right now. So, Greg, you know, we go back 15, 20 years. You're, you're huh? sleeping in a parking lot. You're looking at the roof <laughs> of the car. Yeah. Uh, how good did you think life was going to get at that point? Man, I never knew, man. I... I, I I, basically, when you're in that state, all you're thinking about is getting through tomorrow, you know? So the whole big, the whole big scale of life, really, you know, kind of, kind of 
passes you by or you don't, you don't think about it anymore because you just want to get, you just want to get some food in you tomorrow and train the tomorrow and this and that. So, I really, I, I, you know, and, and two, when I was in those days in Ohio, basically my entire life revolved around the next contest, the next contest. So I was probably pretty tough to be around in those days, so I'm trying my best to, to you know, to, to do some other things besides powerlifting, talk about something else other than powerlifting once in a while. So, I mean, honestly, at that time, I, I had no idea. I really never thought it was going to turn into this, but it did. It's amazing. Okay, man. So, you know, you're, you're one of these uh, trifectas of somebody who has achieved a very high level, somebody who has gone through, you know, the lowest part of the sport, and somebody who has, like, the ideal personality to coach. How do those things balance out? And, you know, if I was going to work on my lifts or work on my competition or work on myself, where should I start? Uh, I should start by getting a coach. I mean, you know, you know, like, when I coach somebody, I take, I take out the first 10 years of, of mistakes and this and that. So for anybody that's looking to get into this, get a coach. Get an online coach. Find somebody in your area that will coach you. You know, do something because that's, that's so important. The technical, you know, you, the technical aspects of the sport have to be learned without somebody showing you how to do it. Like, I was, I was a good lifter when I got to Westside, but I really had no idea what I was doing. I was, I was a strong kid, had good genetics for whatever reason, and, uh, you know, so I really didn't get really, 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 truly good until I got around other people that were really good and around a coach. So that should be everyone's first step is get a coach. And does that need ever go away? Like, ever are you ever too good for a coach? Never, and I'll tell you why. Because if you if you uh, if you don't have a coach, you're no no longer accountable. And there are certain people that can you know make it to high levels without a coach. But the problem with that is you're doing things that you want to do versus things that you have to do. And so it's always way better to get that, you know, to get that someone else that, that you know, someone else's eye looking at you and watching you and saying, okay, we need to do this, or we need to do that, or, oh, you hate this? That's what you're going to do today then, you know? And so I, I think you, you'll never be as good as you were with the coach. Okay, man. So you've got a window into CrossFit right now that very few people have. What would you say is one thing that most CrossFit gyms should be doing that they might not be? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so like I said before, the thing I see with most CrossFitters is they come in, you're generally not going to get your big meatheads, you know, the big lifters in the CrossFit. They're going to stick doing bodybuilding or whatever they do it. Right. You know, gold gym or world gym. You're going to get people who are more into the things like hiking, running, uh, canoeing, kayaking, biking, stuff like that. At least from the one I've seen. And I, you know, I've only been to one, really. Um, so, but those guys are going to come, and a lot of those guys have not been into a gym before, or have not spent a whole lot of time in a gym. So there's, there's, you know, there's not a whole lot of base strength, or like, you know, as you lift weights, you sort of understand where to put your body and this and that. But that stuff is completely foreign. So I think there should be somebody in every gym just, just you know, doing very, very simple movements and helping people get stronger, you know, before they start into this. And again, the injuries will be cut down. No, immensely if that happens. Hmm. Okay, so and what's one thing that maybe uh, powerlifters hmm? could learn from exposure to CrossFit? Oh, that's easy. Stay mobile, you know? So when I, when I was coming up in the sport, like, you know, basically if just something hurt or something didn't feel right, you basically just take time off. You say, okay, I'm going to do that movement. I'm, I'll be done with that. I won't do that. Then you come back and try to do it, and you stiff as a board or it hurt worse. And so the thing that, that has made the most difference for me, um, 
uh, in CrossFit has been, you know, watching the mobility work. And we, we have some unbelievable guys in our CrossFit with those kind of things, mobility and stretching and flexibility. And so I work with them a lot. Plus, my girlfriend is a PT, so she helps me out with them a lot. But that's something that was completely foreign to me before I came to uh, CrossFit. And I think probably for a lot of lifters it is. You know, it's just that moving, it's constantly moving. And so a couple of years ago, I was walking up the stairs into the, to, uh, the offices that work, and I sat down on the stairs, and I was, I was almost crying. I was, my knees were so bad, I was in so much pain. And uh, so I talked to my girlfriend, who was a crossfitter as well, and uh, she told me, she's like, so you're not moving your knees enough, you're not squatting enough. I'm like, what are you talking about? I squat every week. She goes, but you're not squatting enough, you're not, you're not doing that movement. So I started doing that movement over and over, and I still do it every day. And my knees, I'm actually running 10K right now, you know, it's so great. Wow. Greg, this this is great, man. It, it's been uh, so inspiring to talk to you. Oh, thanks, man. Appreciate this a lot. If if you could get the listening audience to take one action after hearing this, what would it be? Uh, in the majority of CrossFitters? Yeah. Get stronger. You know, get stronger. Um, you know, the power is going to be the quickest, fastest, easiest route to getting stronger, which you're hopefully in trying to make your Olympic lift better, um, you know, stuff like rope climbing, dips, push-ups, pull-ups, all those movements, you know, all, all of those, um, you know, all those functional movements are going to become a whole lot easier if you get stronger. And your shoulders are going to hurt you more, you're going to feel much better. So get stronger and stay mobile, that's it. Okay, finally, what's your advice to gym owners who want to start a powerlifting program at their gym? Find somebody who knows how to program you know, a lot of times it's not going to be the best lifter in the, in the state or whatever. What happens a lot, I see, is, is I've heard of a few people doing this. So they get a, a bigger name lifter on, and the guy is terrible. So my best advice is find somebody that has some knowledge on programming, how to write a program all correctly. Um, you know, hire him on, uh, start part-time, and go from there, which is exactly what I did. How do you find that guy? <laughs> uh, I, you know, put somebody on Facebook. There's a million of us in every state. Well, not a million, but... There's a lot of us in every state that would love the opportunity to do this. But, you know, most people don't know where to go, and most people don't know where to find them. But I guarantee you put the ad on Facebook. I guarantee any CrossFit owner in the country will have 10 people writing them within an hour. Okay. So the the final question here is more about the future of powerlifting. Sure. So what I've seen in the last five years is uh, the further proliferation of um federations okay so now we've gone from like three federations to five to 50 and it seems like almost every weekend a crossfitter is posting that they just broke the state record in the bench press right 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 right. is this a good thing or a bad thing uh well i guess it goes both ways the good of it is everybody who wants to compete any way they can can do that i mean you like new routes go to this federation you like new sleeves go to this one you want to wear a bench and squats you go to this one you want to bubble I mean, there's a federation for everybody, so that's great. Now, the problem with it is it's become so fractured. Everybody in the country is a world, a world record holder. I mean, that broke a world record. What did you do that? Oh, in the whatever federation, I bet 200 pounds. It's like, you know, so then it becomes like, you know, for the real world record holders, it becomes, it becomes like, seriously, but, um, you know, so it's good and bad. I wish, you know, I wish like, like uh, weightlifting and sport would, would come together, but at this point, it probably won't. There's just too much, too much BS. Yeah, I, I can remember this being a debate back in, uh, yeah. in 1998 when Eddie White was getting yeah, kicked out after yeah. trying to trying to make an Olympic bid, right? Right, right, right. And, I mean, it's, it's just pro- 
always not going to happen. So, I mean, we just got to get used to it. And, uh, you know, but you know what? I mean, none of us ever thought sport was going to go raw like it did. So you never know. You know, somebody's just going to have to do it and do it correctly. A lot of people have tried and it didn't quite work out. But if somebody's smart enough, I really think they can do it. That's great, great. But again, they need some backing. So, you know, Crawford is backup, you know. We'll back you guys, you back us. Promise. So if we're going to get there, if we're going to get powerlifting to the Olympics, which, you know, I've been following that conversation for almost 30 years. Right, right, right. Uh, is CrossFit going to help us in that attempt or hurt us? I think uh, I think help us. I mean, you know, I, I think I think the best thing we can do right now is ride CrossFit's coattails. You know, I mean, you know, you, you know, I, you know I, I've broken a bunch of world records. I go to a concert, I break a world record, and uh, there's 12 people in the crowd. You know, people's wives and whatever. If you look at the CrossFit games, there's what I don't know, like who knows how many people in the crowd and and the money, and this and that, and the fame. I mean, so if we can sort of ride that a little bit, then I think we'll be all good. But we have to be able on board. Yeah, I will say that after going to watch the CrossFit Games this year, uh, the Olympics was kind of boring, you know? I, I agree, man. I agree. <laughs> I mean, CrossFit athletes are absolutely incredible. Right? It's incredible to watch. Yeah. Yeah, I found myself saying, like, how many rounds are they going to do on the 200-meter <laughs> sprints, right? I'm so... I mean, the athletes have become so conditioned. It's like, you know, it's like Peach in Rome watching Gladiator. It's just crazy. It's, it's unbelievable. I love it. That's great, man. Well, I, I wish you every success, Greg. You certainly deserve it. And, Thanks, man. Um, I appreciate this a lot. Thank you very much. 